had all the kids in here uh, every Sunday in December because we've had different things going on. And so I told them on the Sundays when we didn't have special things that we would try to have a special lesson for the kids. So if you'll have all your kids come up here in a quiet, orderly manner, we're going to try this one more time. And I'm not, no, there's no bubble gum in here. What is that? Nuts. Beans. It's beans. Bean-flavored bubble gum. No. And a bobber. All right. I'm going to try to teach you something this morning. If you're not careful, you might learn something. All right? Now, you guys, your moms and dads are pretty busy, aren't they? they got work and things like that. Are you guys busy? Do you guys do anything? Yeah. School. You go to school? Okay. This is, this is, okay, we're going to, this is your life, okay, right here, okay? And you put stuff into it, all right? And Jackson said that he had school, so you have to go to school. Well, not everybody. I didn't go to school until I was 15. No, I'm just joking. So you got school, so that, that, that takes up part of your, well, it takes up a lot of your day, doesn't it? So we'll put a lot, that takes up a lot of your day, all right? What else do you guys do? What do you do? Homework. So you, got, you go to school. You go to school all day, and then you come home and still do more school. What's wrong with that? That's, there ought to be a law against that, shouldn't there? So that, go to Walmart. You have to go shopping. What do you get at Walmart? Like food. So you've got to go to get that stuff because your mom's not going to do that for you, is she? You've got to do those things. Take care of the house. Someone said something over here. What would you do? Sleeping, you got to sleep. That takes a while. Clean your room. I am not going to say who said that. I don't think that's true. But anyway, somebody said video games. When we talk to the boys, how many? Some some of them say they have lots of trouble and they play video games, and some of them even say they may play too many video games. And when they get that it just fills the whole thing up doesn't it it just fills the whole sports sports. yeah there's sports and stuff and so there were sports and if we're not careful it fills up our whole jar here and what's this say on there says god and you can't get god in the jar he won't fit he won't fit but i'm going to show you something Let's say we put God in there first, okay? We put God in there first, and then we start putting everything else around him. Instead of, instead of doing all the things we want to do, we decide that I'm going to do my God things first. I'm going to read my Bible first. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church and do those things, and I'm going to do my, my God things first. And then, and then I'll go to school, and then I'll sleep, and then I'll do sports, and then I'll... And then I'll do video games. But I do all those things and make sure that I do God first. Okay? And then I go to Walmart and wash my dishes. And then I do all these things that you have to do. Go to bed. Sleeping. Look at that. Look at that. If you put God in first, there's room for everything. 
But if you leave God out, there's not room. If you, if you put God in last, then there's not room for him. But if you put God in there first, I put all of them in there. It's amazing, isn't it? Missed one. Well, he'll fit. He'll fit. There you go. All right. It's amazing, isn't it? I know. Yeah. But remember, hey, and this is a good time. This is the first of the year. New Year's Day is this week. And lots of times on New Year's, we make resolutions. And why don't we all make a resolution that we're going to put God first? Okay? We're going to put God first. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to pray. Before I play any video games... I'm, before I go to Walmart, before I go to school, I'm going to pray. Before you take a nap, I'm going to put God first, okay? Don't say that again. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to get a whooping. All right. Okay, let me, let me pray for you guys. And just remember, at the first of the year, it's a good time to make a choice. I'm going to, I'm going to put God first, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls. And Father, I pray today that you would speak into their hearts. And Father, I pray that somehow they would seek to put you first. And Father, I think sometimes we think that kids don't know everything they need to know. But Father, I believe they know all they need to know. And they know to put you first. And I pray that they would. I pray that you would be with these kids' parents. Help them to model putting God's first in their life. I pray that they would see mom and dad putting God first, that they would see their mom and dad reading the word. I pray that they would see their mom and dad and hear their mom and dad praying over them. And Father, today, just help us all here today, big and little, to remember that when we put God first, then there's room for everything that needs to be there in our lives. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Thanks. I got big feet. I got to have big shoes. It's, I don't know how it works. It just works. All right. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 2. We're still, I'm so glad that uh, Julia sang a Christmas song. We're still in Christmas time. Uh, and sometimes in this middle, in this kind of afterwards, it's kind of, you know, do we still talk about Christmas or do we not or whatever? But I had one more sermon that I wanted to preach about Christmas. And so uh, we're going to talk about, and I've been kind of had a theme through the season. What is your response when you hear that Jesus has come? What are you going to do when you hear that Jesus has come? And so we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's all stand and honor God's word, read this together, and then we're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 2. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth that never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now my mind is alert, my heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. This is the second chapter of Matthew. We're going to read the first 18 verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is he who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Both you, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are but by no means 
least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their gifts, their, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go to, back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and sent free and, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then he said, Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray. Father, today we all have a choice. We all have to respond to the fact that Jesus has come. And Father, today I pray that we would listen to your word today and see that there are different responses that we can have. But you call us to let you be king over everything in our life. And so, Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and lead us and guide us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about what are we going to do to the response that Christ is born. If something is a fact, you have to respond to it. Every winter, it gets cold. Except for this winter. But every winter before this, it gets cold. And sometime during this winter, it'll get cold. And in the summer, every summer, about July, it gets really, really hot and it stays hot. And you've ever noticed that people go, I can't believe that it's so cold. In the middle of winter, they'll go, I can't believe it's so cold. I don't know why. It gets cold every winter. And in the summer, people go, I can't believe it's so hot. Every summer, it gets hot. That's what it does. And then, they, and then they get mad at people if they like it. You know, I, I, there's lots of people that like hot weather. I don't like hot weather because I'm fat. And fat people don't like hot weather. And if, you, if you're around people, people go, oh, I just love this hot weather. And the people that don't like hot weather go, well, it's your fault. My wife loves snow. My, my wife loves snow. And anytime it snows, people get on the Facebook and they go, well, I guess you're happy. Because it snowed. It's all your fault. I'm going to tell you what. If my wife could control the weather, I wouldn't be preaching. I'd have, her, I'd have her out. I'd be hiring her out day and night, controlling the weather. She has no control over the weather. All right? But everybody thinks, you know, when it's hot, you know. And, and, so, and so people know that it's, in the winter it's going to get cold. And in the summer it's going to get hot. And so you have to react to that fact. 
And there's always a response to the fact. And so many people, knowing that it's going to get cold in winter, they start piling up wood piles. They cut wood and they pile up wood piles. Why? Because they're going to make a, they're going to have heat in their home. Others of us buy propane, and so I've got a tank of propane out there at my house, which I have not touched this year, all right? I've turned my heat on three times this year, and the only reason I turned it on was because my little grandkids were home. Other than that, I wouldn't even turn it on. I love it. One day, it was 49 in my house. That's pretty cold, but we like it cold in our house, and so Brooks ain't making no money off of us. But that, that is our, so, you, so that's our response. Our response is we put on a hoodie. We put on jeans and pants, and we walk around. And that's our response. Some people, their response is we cut a lot of wood, and we keep it hot in our house. Other people, the response is we turn up the thermostat, and that's their response. There is a response to the cold. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's come. He's died for our sins. He's gone back to the Father. He has made a way for us to be redeemed. It's a fact that Jesus has come. What is your response going to be? What is your response going to be? And so we see here in the Word that, that the truth has come, and so we've watched different people and their different responses. We watch Mary and Joseph Their response was, whatever you want, God, we're going to do. Mary's life was just completely turned upside down. I mean, she is is living in a life of shame now. Joseph is living in a life of shame, and their whole life is messed up. It's completely inconvenient. And they say, the truth is that Jesus is coming, and we are going to do what God would have us to do. That's their response to the fact that Jesus is coming. A few weeks ago... We hired Sean and Brooke, and they had to respond to that. They had to respond to that, and they had to respond to a call that God put on their life. And and, and I'm going to tell you, last week was not a very fun week in your life, was it, at church? It was, I mean, because of a real live call on their life, they have to say goodbye to their church. When we was in the interview time, they said, we was talking about things, and they said the worst thing is going to be leaving our church. I liked that. I mean, I didn't like that it was going to be. But I was like, man, they love church so much that they're going to miss it. The Word says that when we, that when we love God, that sometimes it looks like because we love God that we hate our family. That's what it says. That's what the Word says. Last week it probably felt like you kind of didn't like your family, did you? Their whole family is from, well, not, not Sean's, but Brooke's whole family. Her, her grandfather lives down there in Ava, and she does, does a lot of care for him. His wife, uh, Gaitha, is very sick, and, and Brooke goes out there a lot and takes care of Jim and, and helps him out a lot. And all of a sudden, you don't get to do that anymore. And to the outside world, it looks like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you leaving? Do you, not, do you not love your family? Do you not want to take care of them? Yes, absolutely. But the call says, I can't do that. The call on Mary and Joseph's life looked like, that. what in the world is going on? But when God calls us and God comes to us and says, what is your response going to be? We cannot deny him that he has control of our life. 
And that's what Brooke and Sean have done. They've said, God, whatever you want to do, we're going to do. Which I'm going to tell you is one of the main things that I like about them. We're going to do whatever you want to do, whatever the cost, whatever it looks like at home or anything else, we're going to do that. And sometimes following God is inconvenient. The shepherds we talked about last Sunday night, the the word comes, the angels come and they say a a child is born and Jesus is born, the Messiah is here and and they go run off, they leave everything to go see Jesus. When they hear the word that that Jesus has come, their response is, I'm leaving my business and I'm going to trust God with it because I'm going to go see Jesus. Their response is that I leave everything, no matter what it is, I'm going to find out what Jesus has for me. And then they go off and the word says that they were praising and glorifying God. That was their response to the fact that Jesus has come. I leave everything and I go and I praise and glorify him. How many times does your family hear you praise and glorify God? That'd be something to work on this new year's, new year, this, well, this new, well, this next year. As I read that and started studying that this week, I thought, how often do my, you know, and I think that I glorify God and I think that I praise God, but I don't think I do it enough out loud. I was in an Arby's restaurant the other night. The, the ladies went to, uh, I wasn't at Arby's, it was Wendy's. The ladies was at uh, their Christmas dinner thing, whatever. And I was in there, I drove them up in the bus and I was in there eating all by myself. Nobody was with me, all alone. They were eating at a really nice restaurant and I was eating at Wendy's. I'm a little bit upset about that, but I'm not gonna let you know about that. And this family got together, there were five of them, and they sat down at a table, and they started praying. And usually, when you watch people pray at a restaurant, and I'm kind of the same way, I mean, we're, we're never ashamed or anything, we just bow our heads, and, and we say, you know, Lord, thank you for this day, thank you for this food, thank you for our family, we're glad to be here, Jesus' name, amen. Man, this, this family sat down there, and the dad, and he had, and they were grown kids. They were grown, they were all grown. And the dad started praying. And I was sitting on the other end of the restaurant watching him. And he was like, Lord, and, he was just, and the place wasn't full, but he was like, Lord, we thank you for this day. And we're so, and he just went on and on and on praying. And I was like, yeah. He was praising and glorifying God. And it did me a lot of good to see him do that. You know, it might do your family and yourself and the people around you a lot of good if we would glorify God. If our response to Jesus has come to save us from eternal damnation, that's something to be happy about. That's something to give praise about. And when the, when the shepherds found out that Jesus was come, had come, they gave praise and glory to God. That was their response. That's one response. There's a couple of responses there, but most of them are kind of, those two things talk about a response that's basically the same. Mary and Joseph gave up everything to do what God would have them to do. The shepherds left everything and lived a life of glorifying God. That's one response. Or you can have a response like Herod did and like the high priest did. You see, Herod had a standard response in his life. 
When anything would come along and, and, and threaten his kingdom, Herod had a, had a standard response, and that was get rid of it. If anyone comes along and tries to even push in on him or, or try to take any control away from Herod, his response was, I'll just get rid of that person. I'll destroy that person. That's kind of the way it is in, in the world that we live in right now. We tend to, if we don't like somebody or we disagree with somebody, instead of just disagreeing with them or trying to argue the, uh, the, the facts or anything like that, the go-to response in the culture we live in today is, I'll destroy you. If you don't believe that, watch TV on the, on the political scene for a little while. Our, our, our candidates rarely ever talk about the issues Instead, they find the things about each other that they can destroy each other instead of talking about the real issues and, and, and trying to come up with real uh, solutions that make any sense whatsoever. They don't argue ideas. They just try to destroy each other. And as a culture, we're kind of the same way. Well, if you don't want to do the way I want to do it, then I'll just get rid of you. And that's what Herod did. That was his go-to thing. And that's the way it is in our own lives. And, and some of you have probably come up with this. If you've, have you, maybe some of you have not always followed the Lord, but, but you later in life came and started following the Lord and you gave your life completely over to the Lord. And then you come to someone that you knew way back when and you say, hey, you know, I'm following God now. And they're like, who are you to tell me what to do? I remember what you used to do. So you don't get to, t- instead of arguing the truth of what God's done in your life, they always try to destroy you. Some of you deal with that. Some of you have family that you deal with that with. And that's the way that it is. That's, that's normal. That's the way we do. And so we have these two responses, and, and the go-to response of Herod was to kill anything that would try to take control away from him. Anything that would try to take him out of control and the truth is we're all like that we all like to call the shots we've been that way ever since we've been old enough to cry I had my little grandkids with me this week and they always remind me of the purest form of the sin nature you can see it in the little kids better than anybody else even the little bitty ones they don't get their way. They just stiffen up and squall and scream till they get what they want. And that's the way we are. My little granddaughter yesterday wanted a pickle. <laughs> and I said, you can't, have, you can't have no pickle. Cindy told her she could. So anyway, <laughs> I, don't think she had, I don't think Cindy knew that I had told her she couldn't have one. I just couldn't get her one. And I was like, I ain't getting you no pickle. I'm holding this one, you know. So she said, you want, so she went, she goes, I'll go ask Nanny. So she goes to Nanny and she goes, I don't know, she don't speak at all. She just kind of grunts a lot and nods. She don't, she's really no good for anything. She has no marketable skills at all. She just grunts. Anyway, she pointed towards a pickle. So she, Cindy gave her a pickle. She puts it in her mouth and she went, and then she went, she didn't want it. But she just was showing me, I can get whatever I want. <laughs> and I don't even like this pickle, but I got it, buddy. You know, and that's just the way, that's the way, kids, that's, that's the sin nature, man. 
That's the way we are. And we want our way. And them kids, they, they want their way. I want to do that. And, that's, and we're all that way. And, and, when, and, and as parents, we fight that. And, we, and, and Herod was not about to give up control of, of his kingdom. And, and we see here the Jews, the, the, the Jewish teachers, there was the same battle with them. They didn't want to give up control to Jesus. And so we have these, these two responses, and we can either accept and worship Jesus, or we can try to get rid of him, try to kill him. And you might say, oh, pastor, I would, I would never want to kill Jesus. I, w- I would never try to do that. He's all right. He doesn't bother me. You know, and, and he can do his thing. And hey, you and your church people, you can do your thing. And, and hey, I'm not going to be any bother to you. I'll just, I'll just kind of ignore Jesus. You know, he's fine and he, he can do all that stuff. But, but I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just take control of my little, my little life. And my little life doesn't really matter in the big scheme of life. And, and, and so, so you just do your thing and Jesus can do his thing and, and I'll do my thing. And I won't bother him and he won't bother me. See, that's kind of the way the priests were. I think it's interesting. The, the thing that has come out to me most during this Christmas time is the, is the leaders, the, the, the religious leaders' response. These magi come in and say, hey, where's the king of the Jews going to be born? And they know the answer. And they say, oh, Bethlehem. And nowhere in the world does it say that they went, uh, why do you ask? Nowhere in the scripture does it say that they got together and they thought, what wonder why those guys were looking for. They thought they had it all figured out. And it never entered in their mind that the Messiah, the person that they were looking for most, had come. They were so busy doing the church thing that they couldn't see anything else. And the truth was, they had control of everything and they didn't want anybody messing that up. But you might say, you know, and, and they kind of put it off for a while and, and they ignored Jesus. And you can ignore Jesus. You can ignore his word. The priest did. You can ignore the facts that were pointing to Jesus' birth. They did. You can ignore what Jesus says, and you could ignore that he did uh, great miracles. They did. And you can ignore Jesus for a while. But he will keep coming back. And he'll keep coming back in songs and messages and in your day-to-day life. And he'll keep calling out to you. And he will bring you to the place that you have to choose. And you're either going to let him be king of your life or you're going to kill his influence in your life because that's the only two responses there are. You see, he is our, our way of redemption. And one day we all, and we all stand before God as, as, you know, as, as human beings. We all have sinned and we are all guilty. And our only hope is that we have come to Jesus and that we have repented and turned from our sin and that we have said, look, you can have complete control of my life. That is the only hope we have. That is the only right response. Or we can try to kill his kingship on our life 
You see, Jesus has to be king of your life. We have to give up our authority. We have to give up our rule over our life. And God has given us our life and he just wants to, not, not to be controlling it, not to, not to, he wants you to love him so much that you just let him have free reign in your life. You see, Herod believed that Jesus wanted to be head of his kingdom. So he, got, so he sought to kill him. The priests put it off for 33 years, but finally they realized that Jesus wanted to be the head of their kingdom. And they, just like Herod, sought to kill him. I mean, who does Jesus think he is anyway? God? Yeah, he is. And who does God think he is telling us what to do? Who does God think he is? Uh, God? And he's telling us, and, and, you, and you see the priest and, and, and the Herod, they thought that Jesus would be, they both had the same idea. They both thought Jesus would be a conquering king. The priest wanted him to be a conquering king. They wanted him to come in and get rid of Herod and all the Romans. Herod was afraid that that is exactly what was going to happen. You see, what the, what, the, what the priests wanted was they wanted a God who would make people obey. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful God? They, that's what they wanted. They wanted a God that would come in and say, you're going to do right. It'd be easier like that, wouldn't it, sometimes? Wouldn't it be nice if you could make people do right? If you've ever dealt with people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And why, don't you, why don't you just do right? It'd be so much easier if you just do right. Jason Roast always says that. I can say that because he's not here today. He always says, it'd just be better if people do what I want them to do. And sometimes, hey, that's the way it is. Sometimes we do know better than some people. But we serve a God who is so loving that he will not make us do right. He wants us to, out of love, respond to him. And the priests and Herod and then later on, Jesus' disciples heard the same message and hear the same message as you're hearing this morning. And the message is Jesus has come and he wants to be king. Herod was afraid of it. Herod was like, there's no way I'm going to let him be king. The high priests were like, there's no way this guy is king. There's no way he's going to be king. You know what the disciples heard? Jesus has come. And he wants to be king. And you know what their response was? You know what the disciples' response was? Of me? Why would the king want to be the king of me? Well, I, I don't have anything to offer. I'm, I have nothing. And he, he wants to work in my life? He wants to, to use me? Why would, why, would the, why would God want to be king of me? And they were like, sure. You see, they all heard the same message, and, it's, and it is the same, but some hear it different. Me and Sean have talked a lot. And you're going to find out Sean's life and his past. And it's one of the most humble people I've ever met right there. And he's like, he wants to be king of me? Yeah, I've made a mess out of everything. And that's the way we all are, isn't it? 
When we get the right response, it's like, God, why would you want me? Why, I don't have anything to offer, and yet you, the God of everything, wants to have control of Sure, take it. Isn't it better living with God in control? It's way easier. But we still want to hold on, don't we? I was thinking about... We're getting ready to do a Dave Ramsey course. I forgot to announce that this morning, but we're getting ready to do a Dave Ramsey course. Next Sunday morning, it starts, I'm going to do announcements during my sermon. But during Sunday school, if you want to take the Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey is a financial whiz. He's known around the world for being very good with finances. He, I mean, the guy's a millionaire and he teaches other people how to, how to be very good with their money and he could be trusted with money but what if dave ramsey came to your house and said hey i'd just like to take control of your finances i've got a really good plan i've got a proven plan and and you just let me have control of your finances and everything's going to work out really good if we were really smart if a person was really smart they would say sure there's not much there to work with but you take it And the truth is, if you did what Dave Ramsey said, you'd be well off. But I'm going to say that probably 99% of us, if Dave Ramsey came to your house and said, hey, let me have control of your finances, we'd go, eh. We know we'd be better off if we would, but we just want, I don't want him, no, no. I I know I'd be better off, but I... I want to be the one that writes the checks. And it's the same way with Jesus. He comes and says, I want to be king of your life. And we go, eh, I kind of like to hold on. And lots of times it's not like even our whole life. It's just, and, and he won't force us. But he wants to come and and. And he wants to have every part of your life. He wants to take care of your sin. He wants to have all the sin that you've ever done. He wants to take that and do away with it. Get you back to a point that's clean and and fresh and an empty slate. And then he wants to take your life now. He wants to take care of the past, but he wants your finances and your job. And he wants the relationship that you have with your wife and your family. He wants to take care of your retirement. He wants you to trust him with your health, with the past, with the present, and with the future. He just wants to be the king of it all. And as soon as I started talking about that this morning, some of you was like what I talked about with Dave Ramsey. You just started putting on the brakes. You see, there's always two responses. And it's either, yes, God, why would you even want me? But yes, I I want you to have control. Or it's, hmm. You hear the same message, but there's two responses. And the message is, Jesus has come. And he wants to be king. And the response is either yes. Why would you want me? I can't believe you ask. I can't believe that you would take this life that I have made a wreck out of and that you would want me. But God, thank you. Yes, take me. Or the other response is 
I don't want you at all. God wants your kingdom. So what's your response going to be this morning? Will you say yes? If God's talking to you this morning, will you say yes? Or will you be like Herod and try to get rid of him, try to get rid of any influence that he has in your life? Or will you be like the chief priest and the, and the, and the leaders and try to, we try to put God off? Oh, church is okay, but I don't want him to be king of my whole life. I'll just, I'll just put him off. Or maybe this morning there's one more response. Maybe this morning you, in your mind, you have given God everything that you know that there is in your life. And there's nothing that you know that you're holding back. But this morning, as we're here, his Holy Spirit has come and convicted you of one little spot or maybe two little spots in your life that you hadn't even thought about that you say, man, I, I thought I'd given God all, all control of my life, but there is this one spot that I didn't even realize, but I... I'm the king of this. And lots of times we try to give God everything and hold on to a little spot. God, you can have everything, but I'm, I'm going to control where I work. God, you can have everything, but I'm going to control my finances. God, you can have everything, but there is this one habit that I, I just want to keep. You can have everything else, but I, I want to be the king of this little spot. And when God shows us that, he's, the, he's got to be the king of everything. I want you to stand this morning. Jimmy and Lance, I want you to come. The king has come. Jesus has come. And he wants to be king. What's your response today? He wants it all. Every little spot, every little stronghold that you have. And you know what I found out? That the more I serve the Lord, the more that he'll show me little places that I've kept him out and I don't want any of those places and I stand before you today and I I don't know of any places like that and I've been praying through this whole thing but maybe as you've been there's been other times when I've been in his word you know how it is you'll be going along and you'll be like man I'm doing good and then his word will just find one little spot in your life and he'll go what about this you're like oh I don't God, you can have that too. I don't know where you're at or what God's speaking to you this morning. But the message is, Jesus has come and he wants to be king. Are you going to let him? The altars are open this morning. If you need to pray, boy, this would be a great way to start 2016 with Jesus being king of it all. Maybe there's something you've held on to for years, a habit or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. But this would be the time to once and for all say, it's done. You take it. You be the king. Do you know what a...
privilege it is for Jesus to come to people like us, sinners, and say, I want your kingdom. Why? I don't deserve for you to be the king of it, but I want you to have it all. What's your response going to be today? The altars are open. If you'd like to come as we sing, come. This is my desire to all.